Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be having singer songwriter, director, and actress Jess Camilla O'Neill stopping by the show today. And the two of them will be chatting about her newest book, She Rides Wild Horses. So tune in and hear how a tragic accident at 17 almost took her ability to walk and turned into a wild ride to recovery that ultimately led her to a triumphant reemergence into life. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, attorney turned life coach, Sunny Joy McMillan. And we are here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing coaches, teachers, authors, and healers who are on a mission to encourage you, inspire you, and give you tools to live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. All the good stuff. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. Find out more about me, connect with me for coaching through my website, which is goldenoversoul.com. And I just want to remind you guys, I haven't mentioned it in a while, but um, you can always still download my book for free at unhitchedbook.com. Um, and of course, the book is Unhitched, and it's really written for anyone who's feeling a bit stuck and unhappy in their marriage or moving toward divorce and want to do it gracefully. So I invite you to download that. Feel free to share that with a friend. Um, and hopefully it will help some of you out there who are struggling in the same way that I was um, 10 or 15 years ago um, when I was going through this journey myself. So um, that's unhitchbook.com. Uh, Benny, what's going on with you? Is it safe to come out? Is it safe? Are you sure? <laughs> Is it safe? Is it really safe? Did you feel it? What are you talking about? Did you feel it? We had a minor earthquake this morning. I didn't know that, yeah. Benny. Four seven, just north of us. That was, doesn't sound minor. Is that minor? Well, that we haven't had one minor? in a while, so you know, compared to what happened earlier this week in California, it was pretty small. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel it? I did. I woke up and I was just like, "Well, I'm up now, so I might as well go to work." <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was about uh three thirty four, maybe three this morning. It was pretty early, but it jolted quite a few people. <laughs> yeah. So is that something that? had been predicted was no. going to happen? No. Okay. Huh. I mean, I guess it's in the news. Everyone's kind of like on, you know, pins and needles a little bit, depending on where you live. Yeah. But uh, always be aware of that, folks. Always have, you know, your little plans all, you know, with the families, you know, registered and ready to go, you know, your little emergency, uh, you know, packs all set up, okay. water, food, all that. Wait a minute, Benny. I have to ask this kind of what? like as why? a PSA because why? Why? I feel like uh, I should know this because I'm in California uh, and I wasn't. Yeah, settled. you just moved there. <laughs> I figured that'd be like. <laughs> you said registered. Okay, was that something I'm supposed to be doing? No, no, mean? no, no, no. More like, uh, you know, just have it on your mind. Definitely don't like be okay. complacent with it. You know what I mean? I didn't know if there was some place you were supposed to no, register so that it, no, you would no, go to this no. database to figure out if your family members were safe or something well, like Facebook that. Well, Facebook has right? that, too. It's always like, oh, that's safe true. from blah, 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 checked in at. I mean, that's a registered thing, I guess, if you want to that, go. That, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> mean to alert you that way. Would go. Yeah. No, I want to. Hey, if I didn't know about it and we need to know about it, I figured this is the place to tell people. Right. Well, I so. think I'm probably safer where the Buffalo roam, and that's where our guest is uh, near. So maybe we should just travel out that way. Good segue, yep. Benny. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> it's like you've been doing this for decades. A home on the range where the <laughs> buffalo and the antelope play. Isn't it something like that? Or 
Yes, that, that will, <laughs> we'll actually let our guests clarify that. Thank so it's <laughs> on to the next segment. Woo! So <laughs> I am so excited to bring you all our guest today. Her name is Jess Camilla O'Neill. She is an award-winning singer-songwriter, fashion designer, author, director, actor, and horse lover. And there really isn't anything she can't do. So you'll find out more today. She lives in the wilds of Wyoming on the banks of the Wind River with her horses, dogs, hubby, and son, and gets all of her inspiration from these very things. Things. You might hear her say, life is our song, write it, sing it, dance it, hear it. And you can keep up with all of her shenanigans on all forms of social media. Of course, you can find her at Jess Camilla O'Neill and her website, Jess Camilla O'Neill. The book we're going to be discussing today, which she has recently released, is called She Rides Wild Horses, the rugged real life story of an unbreakable woman. And you can get that either the Kindle or the, the hard copy um, on Amazon. So that's She Rides Wild Horses. So Jess, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking to you and uh, just sitting here listening to my intro. That My life sounds very poetic. Well, it is very poetic. (laughs) One of the things I have to say, well, first of all, I came to know about you from another guest on the show um, named uh, Jenny Carr, who I know we both love uh, very much. And her work is incredible on anti-inflammatory eating and lifestyle. Um, And so she alerted me that you had this book coming out. And um, I have to say, it's like I keep a running queue of all the books to read and to review and everything. So I was a little late to the party reading it, but I picked it up this week and I couldn't put it down. I read it in one sitting. Like it was so good. And so I thought, (laughs) oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, thank you. I just, I feel like um, I've been getting that feedback a lot, actually. Like once somebody just, they read it really fast. It's like super fast and they're done reading it I'm like yeah yeah good (laughs) yeah because it's you just want to see what happens next and I just if you don't mind me sharing um about how that your interview came about today um because I think I just I always like pointing out I think sometimes we forget that everyday miracles or serendipities that can happen in our life and so I usually book the show out I'm booked out several months advance sometimes you know six months in advance and I'll have open slots here and there and this particular spot that we are speaking today, July 12th, um, was a last minute opening. And it, in past years in the show, I used to panic. I mean, if I was several weeks out and I didn't have someone, I would freak out because I thought, oh my gosh, where am I going to find someone? And I have come to just trust that if a spot opens up last minute or it's a spot that just hasn't filled when all the other ones have all around it, that it's being saved for someone in particular. And when I read your book this week, I thought, oh, this has to be Jess's spot. I hope that she agrees. So here we are. (laughs) Oh no. And I'm so, I'm so happy that it worked out like that. And I, I totally feel you on that. I feel like, um, especially um, even after writing my book and, and, uh, looking back and, you know, you're maybe more reflective. And I feel like this year, my life and my, my kind of intention for the year has been just trusting, Um. trust that, um, whatever needs to come around is going to come. And, you know, cause I, before in my life, I've just grind so hard to get things and just like digging deep, you know, and like hurt, almost hurling yourself at things, trying to, you know, you're in the, in the biz and you're just, you know, sometimes scrounging and just scratching to get in. And I was like, you know, this is the year I'm just going to know that I've done all the work that I've needed to do. And I'm just going to allow the doors, whatever door opens to just open and just, I'm, I'm ready for it. 
you know? And so to me, it was like, it is perfect. You know, it's divine timing. Absolutely. And, and then I have to ask on that note, you know, usually if something that a client describes to me and they're, you know, something is not working, they're beating their head against a brick wall. And I usually ask, how's that working for you? But I immediately thought that question when you were describing how beautiful this experience of trust is. So I, I'm curious on the positive side, how is that working for you? How has it been <laughs> in 2019 following the trust? Uh, it's been, I don't think I'll ever go back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's everything's pretty much been super amazing. So I don't know why I would go to this other mindset, you know, back to it when it's been working out so well. So I'm a believer. Oh, and there we see your beautiful singing voice. <laughs> so now, I mean, now I'm tempted. I'm so, I have so many questions because you were talking about, you know, the grind that you used to engage in before this year of trust and allowing things to come together effortlessly and easily. Um, I had this vision of you in your recovery when you were in your wheelchair in the Wyoming wintertime, hauling yourself from your car into the classroom. And so I know get me, there are so many instances in this book and your story where you have grit and you have a no give up attitude. Um, so I immediately want to jump to that, but I feel like we need to give readers some background on your story. And I, I will say, I want, I want to just like, as an overarching thing, you have lived and experienced more, it seems like trauma and loss and just big life experiences before age 30 than most people live in multiple lifetimes. And I just, I'm curious from where you sit, do you see that as something like a calling that you're engaging in so that you can bring inspiration and healing to others who are going through similar things? Or how do you frame that? Because there's a lot in this book, Jess. I know. Yeah, I feel like I don't know any other way. So it's just my path, right? I don't, I don't have a reference point of not experiencing that. And so for me, um, I really did kind of mask all of it for a while, even though um, I would, you know, tell stories when I'm singing or even through my songwriting and stuff. Um, or I, I knew that I was a, a kind of a dig deep person when I, when people are like, Jessica, you take things to such another level. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. I guess I do. Um, but that's just my experience, you know, so I don't, it's not like you can retrace and have a different reference point. Yeah. Um, and so that's just how I lived my life. And I do do say this a lot that I'm I naively have a positive attitude. Like I was just, that was just my personality, I guess, that I was born with just this kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, <laughs> kind of roll with the punches and you just keep going. And and um, so I that has served me well because I've had, you know, these these big things that have happened in my life. But it, it has created um, a really beautiful space, you know, to have, uh, I, I'm honored to have had this path. Yeah. I feel like I have space now to just really live. You know, yeah. we all, I, I think I saw something really beautiful yesterday. Somebody saying that, you know, this life is terminal. <laughs> Nobody's getting out alive. <laughs> not getting out alive. Are you truly living? Are you truly living? And I, you know, I talk about that in my book is I've had so many instances for it to be like, Hey, what's wake up, Jess, you know, this is, you're not doing it right. 
you need to you need to stop and you need to be grateful and you need to reflect and what what is this journey all about for you and so yeah. i've had a, a lot of that and it won't stop you know what i'm saying that 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 isn't always that is what to me that is what life is about even when we think that we've gone through so much oh we're not going to have anything more well, i'm never going to experience grief again i'll never have trauma again that that's not realistic it's about okay what have i learned from my past grief and my past trauma that i can deal with this blow in a you know not so um back with the earthquake not so shaking not so that it just shakes me to my core and shakes me out of my life right anymore you know just learning from it exactly yeah and i want to dive into now people are probably wondering well, what happened so i want to dive into your story before we do that um, I just want to share with you all that we will be giving away a free copy of Jess's book during the show today. We're going to be doing that in the second half of the show, but I want to go ahead and always give out that number so you can be ready to call in. Um, so when we announce it during the second half of the show, this will be the number that you will call 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-5569. And the book is She Rides Wild Horses. And I will just say, you know, even if you haven't experienced trauma, this book is inspiring and it's entertaining and engaging. And if you or someone you love has experienced one or more pretty severe traumas, I think that this would be a perfect book for them because to see what Jess has done, you can let these things take you down or you can let them be a catalyst for awakening. And Jess has done that in a really beautiful way. So just keep that in mind. Um, so Jess, let's start back at the ranch. Like your descriptions of growing up on this dude ranch in Wyoming, Heart Six Ranch were just so, I felt like I was there. It was really beautiful. Oh man, that growing up on a dude ranch is the ultimate child's dream. Yeah. So it is like the best childhood you could ever have. You have, you know, what a dude ranch is for those that don't know. Um, it's a place usually that is well, a working ranch. They have horses and cattle and things, but mostly they take their income off of guests coming to stay there. So for us, it was, you would come for a week long vacation and you would do horseback riding and fishing and hiking and, you know, cookouts and just a huge array of activities, you know? Um, and so as a little kid, you have brand new friends every week because there's families traveling from all over the world to come and visit. You know, there's um, 30 young kids that come to work on the ranch. So it's just, and, and you have horses and you're outside and it's, everything is an activity. It's just a dream life to grow up that way. Yeah. And um, I, I sometimes feel guilty that my, I, I don't um, have a ranch, a dude ranch. Now we have a smaller ranch, but, but I sometimes feel guilty that my son, I have a seven-year-old son named Gideon, doesn't have um, this experience, this amazing experience that I had uh, because it was truly magnificent. Yeah. And then also as a part of your upbringing, and I know this factors into a lot of your childhood and continued into adulthood and a lot of different variations, but theater, your mom, I love that story about her buying this, this Jackson Hole Playhouse Theater, one of the oldest or if not the oldest building in town. Um, and you growing up doing musical theater. Yeah. I mean, just like the craziest, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum. We were like cowboys and doing all this. And then the other end we're doing, you know, professional Broadway theater. And, you know, from a little, I think, you know, my first 
professional theater run was when I was six years old in The Sound of Music. We did 93 straight performances. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, and so it was just kind of wild. It was just oh, really wild, but really incredible uh, foundation for understanding hard work and understanding um, just, you know, the get her done kind of attitude what came from both ranching and theater. Yeah. They're not, they're not two things that you can just call in sick and be like, yeah, can't make her today. It's kind of like you got to the show must go on, really, you know. Right. Both of those. So things were, uh, the, the picture that you painted, things were pretty idyllic for a long time. But then tell, start sharing where things started to change for you. Like, and let's, let's go through some of this trajectory where these were the events that really shaped who you are now. So everything was pretty ideal up until I was about 13. Now I'm uh, one of eight children. I'm the second oldest of eight kids. And uh, so that in itself is huge. And then both my parents having two different businesses. So my mom ran our theater and our dad ran the ranch and the kids kind of were just shuffled in between both just helping. Hmm. And everything was, it was really beautiful and, and wonderful until about 13 when my father had some partners in his ranch that they wanted to sell. And so there was this big ordeal of, um, then there, there was a lawsuit because my dad didn't want to sell, you know, so then there was a partnership lawsuit. And that's when things really, I feel like that's when my awakenings of kind of like struggle and pain kind of began because it was very, very, very hard on my dad. He took it really horribly. And um, so just seeing him, who was such a huge figure in my life, right, he was just this incredibly powerful character he was a beautiful man you know physically and and spiritually and then um that just really shook my core when when we started to lose the ranch and we ended up losing the ranch to our partners so literally walked away with nothing from the ranch besides what we walked into it with so um that was very traumatic because our home my my home that i grew up in was just literally across the street you could say it was a street but more like a back road right and um that we all of a sudden, um, because of the lawsuit, we were no longer allowed on the property. And you know, just some really, and at those times, you know, at 13, you just, you don't have the, the capacity to understand why it's happening, who makes these decisions, the people that are in power, how can, how can people be so cruel to each other or, you know, these, these kinds of things. Yeah. And um, so then that summer was a huge catalyst for me. I was sexually abused by one of the um, workers at our theater. And then I was raped by, um, two young men, uh, at the county fair. So that to me, 13 is when like my whole world was just completely stripped away from me. Yeah. And, and I just, I mean, I want to point out for those listening that, that the, the rape that you just mentioned, the circumstances that you describe in the book are horrific. And, and, um, and I think you mentioned in the book that this was, the first time that you really decided to share this story. And I'm, I'm curious because uh, that is, you shared some really intimate details there. How did you know it was time to share that story, to bring the light to it? I felt like I was lying to myself and lying to the readers who I had opened so much of myself to. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I just felt like, man, if I don't do this now, I may, I may never, I may never do this. And to me, it's such a prolific time to be speaking of, of these things there, you know, there's, there always has been, but now there is this space in our, um, in our world to, as women to talk about, Hey, these things happen and this is real. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, and, and as in my experience, there's so much shame and guilt and, and pain wrapped around it that, that carrying that is just too heavy. It yeah. is too, it was getting too heavy for me to, to carry and to mask anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, man, if I'm going to do this book and I'm going to do it well, I, I, I think, you know, I, I talked about it. It's like, I cannot hide bits and pieces of me. I can't say, oh, you can take this. You, hey, this part of me is not too hard for you to look at. So I can tell you this part, or I know this is painful, but it's not as painful as this, but you can deal with this. Like, I can't break myself up like that because I'm already, I've already just been shattered, right? So I can't hold on to the little pieces. Like, if I'm just going to, if I'm just going to shatter, I just need to shatter and then just rebuild just all the way down to the ashes. Yeah. The way you write about this, it's, uh, you write, I've come to understand that I cannot edit and chop myself up, telling only bits and pieces of my story and leaving me shattered into pieces. I am who I am today because of all of it, the dark and the light. And only in the darkness, it is said, can you see the stars? Um, so, you know, Jess, what would you, before we keep moving on, because I mean, this is, we're just getting started here. Um, what would, what advice or wisdom would you share with someone who is listening, who has perhaps more recently experienced a sexual assault and is having a hard time healing or cu- coming back to themselves? Oof. Um, I would say, you know, find someone that you can trust that you can talk to this about, whether that's a therapist or a friend or, you know, someone that you truly feel like is going to have your, have your back because what's so painful is the invalidation sometimes that we get after these kind of things happen. So I would think, you know, find a space and, and a group of people that have maybe experienced something similar to this so that you have some guidance of even understanding what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, and to, and it's okay to be scared, man. It is so okay to be so scared and just effing frightened because that's yeah. what it is. It's, it's so frightening and so horrifying. And to know that you, you can heal and you can love yourself through it. And it, it, it may take a lot of time. You know, I'm sitting here 25 years later and almost on the verge of crying. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it, it just is a, and, and it's a part of you, but it doesn't have to rule your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you sharing so openly around that. Um, because being that, that this is the first time you've shared the story publicly in the book. Um, so thank you for going there with me. Um, let's, let's fast forward a little bit, um, because this was, you know, Benny uh, mentioned this in the intro that uh, fast forward of several years, you're 17, you've got everything going for you at this point, scholarships to colleges, uh, record, you've had, I don't, I can't remember if you had the recording contract just yet, but like, you had everything lined up. And then what happened? Tell us from there. 
Yeah. So, you know, I kind of healed from all the sexual abuse and I was, my family had bought another ranch and things, the momentum of healing really truly seemed to be started, you know, and I was, I had, um, you know, a scholarship to go to Cincinnati Conservatory of Music and I was looking forward to a career in musical theater and, I, and you know, everything was, was amazing. And I was just really excited for my future. Um, and then I was, in my PE class, my senior year of high school, and I had had a weird feeling for about a week. Like I had felt this nagging underlying, like something doesn't feel right, something is off. And I didn't know what that was. You know, I, I feel like now I can look back and like, man, my intuition has been spot on my entire life. Why am I, what is that girl? Just listen to that, just listen to that. Don't listen to anything else. I, I wanted to ask you, we're going to talk about this because I, that was a thread that goes throughout the book and our audience, um, I'd say we have a very spiritually minded, um, very intuitively motivated audience. So you are definitely <laughs> strong, intuitive. I so know. I yeah. <laughs> Just, why have I been avoiding that? I don't know. Why was it? Why is that so hard for me to get? I get it now. I'm listening. I get it. I get it. No, no reason. I get it. Um, but I had had this really I couldn't even, you know, at, at 17, I think I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what this deepness was or this calling. And, and mostly, you know, I was raised LDS, which is Mormon. And into, in, in that religious aspect, they kind of call it the Holy Ghost, right? Which is um, a, somebody like a small voice, a.k.a. your intuition. Now that I know what this is, it's just, you know, myself understanding what's coming. So I didn't have a reference point really besides that I just didn't feel right, you know, mm -hmm. and I felt like, okay, something is off, but how do you know what is off? Like, what do you just walk around? Like, you don't go to sleep. What do you do? And, um, so I had gone to school that morning and I just really felt like I didn't want to do this obstacle course that we were asked to do. And it, you had to do it. It was the final thing for your final grade. Um, and so I went to the teacher and I said, Hey, I'm not feeling right. Can I do this another day? And she was like, we're taking the course down today. You have to do it. And I was just like, Oh man, this is rough. Okay. And, and for me, um, I went in and just said a prayer. I said a prayer, uh, prayer had been a huge aspect of my religious upbringing. And that's what I knew. I knew, I knew to go to prayer. So I went in, I said, Heavenly Father, help me today to be brave for whatever is, whatever's coming at me and strong. Mm -hmm. And so I did and ran back out into line. And as I was um, getting ready to line up, the girl in front of me went and she, you know, was not into, she hated that she had to do the obstacle course too. You're not really a person that was into PE at all or anything like that. And I'm so grateful for her actually. Um, but I was right behind her in the course. They were, they were starting it like intermittently. And, um, I was never, I have never been a person to do anything, not just full on. And I was very athletic and always have been, and just always dug deep. And I was right behind her and she, there's a part where you have to scale a wall it's, and then jump like 23 feet down. And when I, I scaled it and then jumped right after her and when she jumped the mat scooted out a little and I landed just straight on the gym floor and this um, is like two stories up we're talking about basically yeah it, yes mm -hmm. yeah and you're not falling 
you know, I was literally jumping. So there's that much more inertia. Right. Um, and in, I shattered both my legs. My right leg was in 24 pieces and my left leg was in 17 and I, uh, broke both my cheekbones and my nose. And it was just a very, very big ordeal. And, and the time of the accident was really interesting because they didn't like my teachers and they didn't think anything had, was that wrong. They were so worried about my face because it was so bloody. I had like, you know, a bloody nose. And then because of the breaks in my cheeks, it was coming out of my eyes, just a lot of weird stuff, you know? And I kept saying, no, this is, you know, I don't know. I, it's my legs, but because of the shattering, there wasn't that much to swell from. So they were going, looking at them going like, Oh, you know, maybe he's sprained them or something. And I was literally telling them my feet are falling off. I can't, my feet didn't even feel, I couldn't even send signals to my legs. There was no mm-hmm. synapsis, you know, like no synapsis firing to the end. Right. Um, and so they ended up just loading me up in the back of my principal station wagon and, and taking me to the hospital. And then when we finally got there and they did x-rays, that's when like, you know, holy cow, what's, you know, I heard from somebody, you know, I think it was the x-ray guy like, oh, you know, hurry, go get the doctor. She'll never walk again. So, I mean, that's like the last thing that I remember. Yes. um, Yeah. And went into whatever it is, you know, kind of ethereal state of pain, (laughs) whatever that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like the gravity of the situation is now known. You go into, I believe you said you woke up three days later after you lost consciousness. And I feel like this is a good stopping place. So this will be our little cliffhanger. And we'll, when we come back, you can, we'll share the story of, of, you know, how serious the injury was. And then, um, Jess's recovery, um, and the rest of the story. Um, so you have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. I'm joined today by Jess Camilla O'Neill. We're discussing her new book. She rides, she rides wild horses, the rugged real life story of an unbreakable woman. Um, and remember we will be giving away a copy of this book when we come back from the break. So stay tuned. We'll see you in a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life? If you're anything like me, you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper. There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling, but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage, as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story, and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice, and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom, as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available today on Amazon.com. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. It's time that you are heard, and I don't mean in just a conversation. I mean really heard. Imagine hosting your very own radio program on Alternative Talk 1150. Talk about being heard. Call 425-653-1150 right now to learn how affordable it can be to host your own radio show. Time slots are going fast, so take hold of this chance by dialing 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you.
You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. Challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, joined today by Jess Camilla O'Neill, who is, among other things, a singer-songwriter. Benny, uh, where did you find that song? Well, we find it usually on the old interweb, so uh, (laughs) it was easy to find on the old YouTube, so thank you to them. And, you know, it's a great song. Why wouldn't it not be there? I know. I was like, I, as we were going into the break and I heard him tease some country music and I said, oh, Benny, I should have. And Benny says, I already did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Benny is always on point. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So let's uh, return back to your story. Cause, so where we left off, you have just had the both legs shattered in anywhere from 17 to 24 pieces. Your cheekbones are broken. And this is a major injury where you are being told you will not walk again. And so I, you know, Jess, where do you go from there? Like, how did you, how did you uh, move forward and ultimately recover? Um, I think when you're in that space of, for me, it was just the depth of, of shattering everything. I think you don't think about a lot else but besides doing what you can do and just moving ahead you know like there there's just this underlying element of perseverance which you know when I've seen a lot of other you know tragic accident kind of stories I you see it you know it's like because you have nothing else but to move on right you have nothing else like it can't get any worse it can't get any, you might as well get get better or do the best that you can while you can. And I think there's also this space of gratitude that you still can do these certain things that you still can do. And for me, um, you know, as I was telling you, I've had this kind of innately uh, naive, positive attitude my whole life. Like I've always, in, in, in the situations at home, I was like, okay, well, what can we do? It's, everything's going to be okay. How can we change this? So that's been my, my just, personality I guess and for me I was trying so hard I've never I've never done anything just half butted we say now mm-hmm. um, with half your rear end I do it with the whole thing and my whole life and so I took my therapy and I took my healing on just like that you know I yeah. took it on 110 percent and I'm not, I, I'm a little bit of a rebel too. So when somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, okay, cool. 
Um, yeah, we'll see. And so I, t- I had that little bit of an attitude too, which was very hard when you have, you know, my, my left leg was healing a little bit quicker, but still, you know, it's wired together, melded together, put together with bone, um, what do you call it? Transplants. Like it was, it was a mess. I was a total mess. And my right leg was the one that was in 24 pieces, wasn't taking the bone uh, transplants at all. So then a severe infection came about and, and there was, and I don't want to also say that there weren't times that I was just like, I mean, there were times when I was like, what is happening? Yeah. What is this the, what is going to, what is my life about now? Who am I? How am I going to move on? What am I going to do with my life now? You know, like there was, so even though I say like, I have this naively positive attitude. Yes thankful but there were times of deep darkness of going like okay what I guess this is how it is now you know yeah Um, yeah and I want to I want to ask about one of the biggest elements that I took away from the book as being a part of your healing but before we do that Vinny would this be a good time to give away the book are you around yeah let's uh, (laughs) rope them up let's get them in here okay so um, if you would like to be the lucky winner of this book she rides wild horses um, then this will be the time we're going to announce it the number to call is 888-298-5569 that's 888-298-5569 and um, yeah like I said at the beginning of the show I just feel like it's a beautiful, engaging, entertaining read for anyone, but especially if I just feel like there's someone out there who might have experienced some pretty severe trauma. And this is a really inspiring book. If you want to win this book and give that to them or for yourself, if you're the person that I'm talking to here. So um, let's continue because one of the things that factors in throughout the whole book, and of course you mentioned at the beginning, you grew up on a dude ranch. Horses have been such a big part of your life. And there was this one quote This is when you are, you know, you're not walking. I don't even know that you're standing again at this point. You've got the bone infection that could end in amputation if it does not heal. And your dad took you out to the ranch and let you ride your horse. And you said in that moment, riding Marilyn, the horse, I was able to shift into another frequency, a healing frequency. I believe it was the pure love from my horse that lifted me up and above my wounds and broken bones with the luminous divine light of hope. And you write that after that episode, you the severe bone infection disappeared. You were able to stand on your own for the first time. And so I'm just curious, you know, not only from this element of healing from your accident, but just throughout your life, how have horses factored into everything? They have been everything to me. Like, <laughs> I, was just, I, from day one, have been in love with horses. Like, <laughs> I see them. I'm in love with them. I want to be around them. I want to have that energy around me. I mean, they are my everything, like, since I was a little girl. I just have been enamored by them. And so... um and I have just still carried that through to this, this day in my life. And I've noticed that for me, my life is so much better with horses in it. There's been times like when I've, you know, kind of traveled around or been doing the entertainment biz and all those things. And I've noticed like this deep hole where the horse usually is when I'm not near them or able to, to just be with them. Honestly, that's how big of a part of my spirit they are. Yeah. So it's so ingrained and I'm, I have such an intertwined relationship with them that 
I'm in love with, I'm in love with them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read, this is so, um, you, this is so eloquent, your description of this. And I, I grew up on a horse ranch in Texas. And while my, my childhood, I was, you know, I had a pony for a while and we had horses on the farm. I was not day to day with them in the same way that you were, but even still what you wrote resonated so deeply for me. And I think that's why the the book Black Beauty um, resonated for so many little girls, but you write, there's something mystical about women and horses. They just go together. It's as if the feminine human form is not actually complete without this captivating equine being. There's an essence, oh, excuse me, <laughs> hit my mic. <laughs> There's an essence of wildness and freedom that every girl has coursing through her veins. And somehow when we ride that wildness, that freedom is tangible from the back of a horse. We are unstoppable. The primal sound of the hoofbeat drums us back to a time when our relationship first began, when the horse and the human thrived together. Entwined for eternity, this beautiful relationship still lingers for the cowgirl and her horse. Ah, that's just beautiful. <laughs> I wrote that? That's you sure did. <laughs> I must have been in some kind of other space. <laughs> well, whatever it was, it works. Because it's freaking beautiful. <laughs> I like that. That was good. I'm not going to lie. That was good. Oh, well, that's good. Yes. And I have to, uh, okay, I have to announce our book winner, Eugenia from Kirkland, Washington. Congratulations Yay! on this wonderful book. So let's keep going, um, Jess, and I'm, I want to make sure, you know, we walk to, okay, this is the fun of live radio, you guys, this is a new mic. Uh, Benny, can you, d- just for one second, while I have a crazy kitty in the background, <laughs> this is the first time this has happened, no mic I've had has picked up his madness, just a second. <laughs> no problem. Well, we want to thank Eugenia for uh, calling in winning the book, so we'll go and get that out to her, and very much thank you, uh, okay. Jess, for awarding that book, so... All right, so is the kitty okay. taken away? Are yes, I mean, this is, we're still working out, you know, this not being in the studio anymore, having a new mic that picks up everything, and having a kitty that insists on being a part of all things. He's been on and off my desk, if you can hear him, he was purring at one point, I think the mic picked Aww. that up. So I anyway, yeah, Jess, he really it. wants to be a part of your show, so. that That's when you know it's good, when the animals keep coming in, that's when it's good. Like, I was just, while I'm talking to you, I'm sitting in my house in Wyoming on the banks of the winter, and this beautiful doe deer just came and literally came right up to the window and then just walked away so to me that's that's the good animal mojo you know yeah i got you and i'm glad (laughs) well we have a listening audience that i think is very connected to nature and wildlife as well so hopefully you all will appreciate this (laughs) so I want to flash forward a little bit because we're, I know I want to, there's so many elements from your story that I want to be able to share, but you know, the, the accident, you're, you're beginning your recovery. You're actually healing. Things are looking up. You're walking, you're back at the theater and then you get hit with your next major whammy. Like how old, how old were you when you were notified of your dad's passing? I was, had just turned 27. So, um, I had been 27 for a week, which is super interesting. I don't know if your your uh, audience sounds like they're kind of into this, but numerology. So I was 17 yeah. when my accident happened. I was 27 when my dad passed away. He passed away on September 27th in 2007. Um, and so like just these weird things. And I had, uh, yeah, I had just been um, feeling like everything was kind of coming around again like I was at a really good place um 
in my career, just with performing and feeling pretty good in my leg situation. And then, um, and then, yeah, I got the news that my dad passed away guiding an elk hunter, um, up in the mountains. So Mm. um, really, really crazy time of life. Uh, cause of course, you know, as I was saying, I have uh, seven siblings and I think my youngest sibling was eight or maybe mm. she was 10. I'm forgetting now, but, um, and my husband happened to be out on the hunt, um, that morning, not with my dad, but he was guiding another hunter. And so, um, that was it's the same thing in my intuition, you know, the week before my dad passed. I couldn't sleep. I wasn't sleeping at all. Mm, and I yeah. was reading the book Life After Death by Deepak Chopra. Yeah. And um, I had been reading it that summer. And then uh, I had the night before, I just literally could not sleep. And I was working so hard. I was working at the theater at night and then working at the ranch in the day. So I was literally 17 hours a day, just hard work. And um, I was exhausted. And I was like, man, I, there's no way I can go on anymore like I can no longer work I'm not I'm gonna fall down of exhaustion but I just couldn't this nagging something is wrong something is happening I don't know what to do with this feeling and then um you know the next I watched lot we are Marshall it's the whole football team movie where they die in the plane wreck and then Pan's Labyrinth and this other really interesting film I can't remember the name maybe Lake House or something something about all three movies about like death or yeah big change so once again, it's like, okay, that here's what the universe is trying to tell me. Like, Hey, something's coming up, you know, get ready. And, um, yeah. And, you know, my dad was 53. He was extremely, uh, in, you know, if you looked at him, he was the perfect bill of health. He was like this handsome, tall Mm. cowboy that was, you know, working and active all the time. He was super type A personality, just like, go, 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 go. And so it was very shocking very shocking. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to gloss over because you had another round of healing after that, but I want to make sure that we leave time because I think this is so, um, I'm curious about this because clearly there are threads where your intuition has been speaking to you, uh, pretty strongly for a long time. And I thought this was one of the most redeeming stories in the book around your dad's passing was how he came to you in a dream with a bit of a gift. And that gift <laughs> manifested in a really beautiful way. Do you mind sharing that story? Yes, I would love to because it's one of my favorite, favorite things that has happened to me. So um, after my father had passed and there wasn't that much time, maybe a couple years or so. And and I do have to put this in here um, at the end that my husband and I experienced a, a shooting, uh, which Obviously, we survived, but it was also very traumatic. So I was just coming out of the grief of my father, and then this other get slammed with this other wall, and uh, and then so this again was a time in my life where I wasn't sleeping well, and I was just super confused about what was going on in in life. But I had had this dream that I saw my father across the Wind River. Now, where we were living at this point in life, the Wind River is pretty big, and it was really big and full and swollen from like spring runoff and I saw my dad and he had something in his arms and I couldn't tell exactly what it was but he starts walking across the river this is my dream and I was I was feeling nervous like oh my gosh he's gonna get like swept away and what's in his hands and and I couldn't really see but I and then I noticed that he was actually kind of like walking on the water and I, I felt this calm like oh he's gonna be okay 
And as soon as he reaches the bank that I was on, he hands up this little boy who is, hmm. you know, just curly blonde hair, blue eyed, super beautiful. And I just melted. I mean, I just like, and, and this incredible light kind of came and I didn't see anything anymore. I just felt this was all in the dream. And I felt my heart just burst open into a million, a million light shards. And I felt so much love. I didn't know that my heart was capable of that much love. Mm. And when I kind of, and I was just holding this little boy and it was so, so powerful. And when I kind of opened my eyes in my dream, my dad was gone and I was just holding this, this boy. And, um, I woke up you know, really quickly. And that was kind of the end of the dream. And I just told my husband, I was like, man, dad just came to me and I felt it was super real and it was so beautiful to see him. He looked so young and it's so beautiful. And then he, and I, I was holding this little boy and it was really powerful. And, um, you know, then, um, not very much lot lo longer, I, I found out that I was pregnant and I knew that I was having a little boy. I, there was no question in my mind. And I knew that that's, that's what was happening. And that was another huge source of healing. So much healing went. Yeah. And I, and so that little boy is now seven years old. Is that right? Seven. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That makes me feel how your time flies. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have to ask, cause I had an experience. So I would hear from people that after a loved one passed that, I'm thinking of Esther Hicks, for example, uh, in using this. And she said when her husband, Jerry, died, that the relationship actually strengthened in some ways and improved in some ways. And I thought when I first heard that, you know, that's that's cliche. But then my ex-husband, who I had a really beautiful, loving relationship with for about four years post-divorce, he passed away um, about a year ago this week, actually, wow. um, actually two weeks uh, and I noticed that my relationship with him deepened in some ways, like he is with me regularly. And sometimes I feel him stronger than others. But I'm curious from your perspective, especially given how strong your intuition sounds like it is, how has your relationship with your dad changed, strengthened any of the above, you know, since his passing? Uh, my relationship has changed completely, actually. Um, because my father, even though he was this incredible man and, and amazing and did all these things, you know, he had some quirks just like we all do, but his were all, were pretty severe that I felt were tied to his carnal being, right. Mm -hmm. His being that was here, like his physical being. And so when he, I felt that my dad could finally be the man that he really was, that he couldn't necessarily figure out here yeah. because of, of whatever these things that happened to us, pain, trauma, emotions, that he didn't have the tools necessarily to, even though he was trying. That's what's weird is that right before my dad um, had passed, you know, he had been kind of, he had been a violent person and rageful, not necessarily... Yeah to anybody else or like you would just see these like kind of like instances of you're just like oh my god there's so much pain you know and I knew that that was taught like that was keeping him just like so stuck in this place that he didn't want to be in you know yeah and so when he passed I truly felt that he was free of that 
and he was free of, and he had healed it. And that's almost why he like passed. It was like the weeks before it or the year before it, he was working so hard on himself that yeah. that was almost the thing that he was here to do was to work on this, whatever it was, this thing that he had. And then when he kind of got a, an idea of what it was, then he was like, well, next level of the video game. <laughs> right. I'm going to the next one. <laughs> yeah. And I really feel that way. I really feel. And he, and so now my relationship is so pure with him. Like I, I just feel him so much. And when, you know, we talk about artistry and inspiration and things like that, I, I have this full on, I ask my dad for help. I ask him, you know, what should I do? I feel him constantly. I see him in the wildlife around me. And so I have an incredible relationship with my dad now. And I'm yeah. grateful for that. You know, And yeah. I think that's the thing about also when people pass on. I, I wrote this post, I think, on Father's Day on my Instagram or something. But it was like the good thing about death is that we get to remember people the way that we want to. We yeah. don't necessarily have to. Not Not saying that we should deny you know, abuse or all these kind of weird things. But it's just like, you know what, those things that what matters is what you want to take on now, the lessons, you know? So for me, Absolutely. I'm always like, dad, thank you for all the pain and all the glory. And that's what I'll say. Because I love it was, that. It was those things. And yeah. I, would, I would not be any, any speck of myself without it. You know. And I hear that. And I, this is a beautiful note to close on because I know I don't want Penny to cut us off. But thank you for sharing that, Jess. I hope that helped someone out there. I mean, this whole show. Um, you have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I've been joined by Jess Camilla O'Neill. The book is She Rides Wild Horses. And uh, website is Jess Camilla O'Neill. Jess, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Sunny. What a pleasure. My, it was my honor, actually. Thank you. Oh, well, mine too. And there's so much more in this book. I highly recommend you go out and get it. Thanks, Benny, for running the board. Thanks, everyone, for putting up with the kitties in the room. <laughs> and I will see you next week. Sunny Joy, signing off. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.